every praise is to our God. Every word of worship with one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Sing hallelujah to our God. Glory hallelujah is to our God. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship with one Amen. Every praise we have is worthy. He is worthy of our worship. Amen. There's nothing out there that comes even close to worshiping Jesus Christ. And that's who we gather here today to celebrate. And we welcome you to Sunset Hills Baptist Church. Man, Pastor Keller, we got a, we got a, a, a big crowd down here, don't we? Uh, they're, they're singing good, too. Are they? Good. The decibel level is getting, it rose up. You guys doing all right this morning? Yeah. You ready to praise Jesus some more? All right, well, if you're a guest with us this morning, we want to meet you, so don't get out of here today before saying hi to one of our people at the welcome desk, and if you don't, they're going to pull you aside anyway and say hi to you uh, so we can get to know you better, and if you're watching online on our, our live streaming service, we're so glad that you've chosen to join us as well this morning to hear about the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, who loves you, and he loves each one of us here more than we can realize. Let's keep worshiping every praise to Amen. our God. Great is thy faithfulness. Sing along with us this morning. Great is 
Father, I love those verses. That God, if the ocean was ink, God, there would be not enough ink in the quill of a man to tell all about your goodness and your grace and your love and your mercy. So God, we're so grateful this morning. God, I pray if there's one here today that has not entered your house with a heart overflowing with gratitude, God, that we would just, for just a moment, God, just stop and think about all the blessings. Lord, we woke up this morning and God, we had the, the same borrowed breath that you breathed into us many, many years ago. But God, my prayer is that we don't hang our, uh, our goals into this life, God, that we know that you've called us to something greater and that's an eternity in a beautiful place called heaven with you. God, you've, you've not called us to come there alone, God. You've called us to invite others. And God, we've, we've sang a couple of songs this morning already that, Lord, could just be a great invitation. But God, that's what you've called us to do. You've called us to be on mission every day, inviting others, being witnesses, God, to our story that the devil can't take away from us, God, of your goodness and your grace all the things, God, that you've done in our lives, the miracles. So God, as we continue to worship you through word, God, my prayer is there, if there's one here today that, God, it's just not having a heart of gratitude and gratefulness, God, that today would be that day that they would go, God, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for all you've done. And that, God, we would wanna reciprocate that love and goodness do what you've called us to do. Your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. That beautiful hymn that we sang just a moment ago that Kelly referenced was the words to that hymn I quoted last week, and I'll have to say that you all singing it sounded much better than my quoting the words, it was beautiful, I and mean, I just can imagine uh, how great that sounded, how heaven must sound when uh, the angels are singing and praising God. When our grandsons come to visit, within a very short time, they ask Grandma if they can play with what I think are their favorite toys. And I have to admit that the toys that they pull out that they want to play with, that I like to sit on the floor and play with the same toys from time to time with them, and they intently focus uh, on those toys that they're playing with for hours at a time. I, I don't hang in there as long as they do, but they will stay focused. And that's always good for Grandma and Grandpa when they're staying focused, right? And we're not having to focus so much on them uh, these particular toys not not the ones they play with but the style of toys that they like to play with they've been around for nearly 90 years uh, and it looks like they have a secure future let me give you a little bit of history on them they were invented by a man by by the name of Ole Kirk Christensen who is a master carpenter 
who always pursued a high quality of craftsmanship in whatever he built. After losing his furniture business, and then not long after that, uh, because of uh, uh, he just couldn't make it uh, selling the furniture, and, and not too long after he lost and had to lay off all of his employees, his wife died. Now, what he decided is, okay, my business is gone, my, my wife is gone, I have four sons that I still have to raise. Somehow I have to figure out a way to support those boys. So what he did, we took the leftover wood in his shop, and he began to construct toys with that wood. And they were very high-quality toys. And word began to seep out into the community, and little by little, people were coming by his home where his shop was, and they were buying these toys. And before long... He, he was selling them, and uh, he decided to, to a lot more people, and he decided that he needed a name for his company because it was doing so well. So he combined two Danish words that mean play well, play well. Joined by one of his sons in the toy factory, business kind of fell off, and it wasn't doing all of that good, uh, but it was still growing. But then in 1949, he, he uh, went to Great Britain, and he saw this machine that he was just enamored with. It was a plastic molding machine, and as he walked up to see this machine, a guy handed him a little brick, just a little brick, and he took it and he stuck it in his pocket. So he goes back to his home, and uh, he decides, he you know, that was a pretty interesting thing. He tells his son, we need to buy one of those machines. And, and the son said, Dad, we really don't have the money. He says, we really need to buy one of these machines. And so they did. And in 1953, he started, he started manufacturing these little bricks. And as he was manufacturing these little bricks, he decided that he would name them Automatic Building Blocks that would later become known as Legos. Now, when I walked in this morning, I was carrying this tote of, of, of um, Legos. You should have seen all the adults getting excited about church this morning. Are we playing with Legos? And the amazing thing about these Legos is how they all fit together. And, and this, when, this is the, the bin that uh, the boys, the grandsons, want to play with. And, and without fail, they just start going through and pulling out all of these different bricks, and they just start spreading them on the floor. And before long, they are putting them together and building things. And it's kind of interesting. They don't use plans. They just start building, and they come up with some pretty fascinating things that they like to build. It's an amazing thing that uh, these blocks, I'm trying to find particular ones, but you would think they'd be easy to find in all of these, right? These particular blocks, and this is the problem, see, when the grandkids, because I'm usually wearing sock feet, and when you step on them, it's like not that good. So when I... The amazing thing, though, about these particular blocks is their ability to stick together. When they combine them together, you really can start to build some very amazing things. Now, I would tell you that one of these 
by itself, it's not very fun. Not fun to play with at all. But when you begin to put it together with other blocks, one with another and another and another, and you begin to let your mind wander a bit and start being creative, all of a sudden they start coming together and they become a system that has unlimited potential. A quote from the company website, History, says this, The more blocks you have, the more you can build. Now, that makes sense, doesn't it? And it's kind of cool. The more blocks you have, the more you can build. The more blocks you have, the more fun it is. The more creative you can be, the more blocks you have has a lot of implications that are really cool. Now, I'll tell you, designs of the blocks have changed through the years because I remember Legos as a kid. You didn't have all this fancy stuff. I mean, to have that right there with the little red, you know, uh, block inside of that, we didn't have those growing up. I think maybe we had red ones and white ones. Does anybody ever remember, remember any other colors when they, uh, like when the 1940s? Anybody remember the 1940s? <laughs> How about the 1950s? Some of you all grew up in the 50s. Some of you grew up in the 30s. Uh, anybody remember like when they started making all the different colors? I don't know what year it was, but man, all of a sudden it started getting really cool when they started changing the shapes and, and then they started making ways for them to stick them together. Now, I'm using this as an illustration because I want you to see this picture of how Legos work to, to talk to you this morning about unity. Unity. You see, if these Legos did not fit together as well as they did, as well as they do, it's not very good. There are cheap imposter Legos out there. You ever played with any? Whoa, you want to just be frustrated with them and throw them away, right? When they don't stick together, you just get tired of trying to make them work and then you pick up something and it just falls apart. In fact, that's the whole idea of how uh, this guy got from building blocks to uh, Legos was he figured out a way to make them stick together. In the church, it's important that the church be in unity. There should have been some amens on that, to be honest with you. Have you, have you ever been in a church where there's been disunity? Man, it's hard. In fact, it's not only a, a, a nice deal to have the church in unity. It is, it is mandatory, and I'll get to that in just a minute, but here's the deal. We are to be, we're the bride of Christ, right? The church, right? You with me? Are you still trying to figure out what you're going to build with the Legos? Okay. We are the bride of Christ. The church is. Not just Sunset Hills. There's going to be a whole lot more people in heaven than the people that are sitting in the seats at Sunset Hills. You know that, right? You're going to be up there with some people that you, don't, that you didn't like when they lived here on earth. Okay, so you better get used to it. 
The church is the bride of Christ, and Jesus leaves us important uh, lessons, instructions on how we're to operate as a church. He prays for unity. It was so important to him that, that uh, uh, he wanted to pray for unity um, very late in his ministry. The problem is, and oftentimes in churches these days, there is not unity, there's disunity. There are many churches that have a problem with fulfilling their purpose because they are not in unity. We all know of churches that experience church splits. It's splits. It is no pleasant thing. Many people get hurt both inside the church and outside the church. I personally carry a scar, many scars, from a, a church split during my teenage years. It, it shaped me in ways that I really didn't like and have worked hard through the years to overcome. Churches that unfortunately suffer, suffer internal conflict and eventually split are not uncommon these days. Back a few years ago, they did a study, and they indicated at that time that, near, that there are about 19,000 major scarring church conflicts in the U.S. and churches, get this, every year. That's incredible. 19,000 churches that have difficulties of disunity every year. Uh, according to an article by, written by Stephen Rowland, most of our numerous Protestant denominations were formed through not-so-friendly church splits down through the decades. Most of the church splits lately revolve around non-theological issues, really things that aren't important. He reports, according to the Church Conflict Forum, only about two replacement of the uh, church conflict was over doctrinal issues. 98% replacement was over interpersonal issues. The factors leading to all those splits can actually be pretty humorous at times as to why churches get so upset. Some have split over the color of proposed carpet in a new building. Uh, I, one church, it says, said, uh, was split over where they were going to put the piano bench. Were they going to leave it in place during the service, or were they going to take it out? So they resolved the issue by having two services. So one service had the piano bench in the service, and the next service didn't. Now, isn't that silly? I mean, it goes going on. Um, this morning when I walked in, I... I decided to dress down a little bit. I don't normally wear jeans, and, and, and I understand it's kind of cool. I've seen some other people doing this for the shirt tails to be out when you're wearing jeans these days, okay? So I, um, I'm not going to take it off any further than this, so don't worry. But I came in, and I was looking like this. And, uh, and then I see Kelly all dressed in dress pants, and when he's normally wearing jeans and a, and a shirt and it's normally out and I'm thinking well I just need to be cool like Kelly and then what does he do come here Kelly and show everybody you know look how dressed up he is today he's got dress pants on he's got a dress shirt on well the ironic part is I woke up this morning and I was starting to get dressed and I was like oh I'm gonna be cool like Steve and so I put dress pants on and so. 
And then I go down to a life group, and he's sitting in his life group chowing down on Krispy Kreme donuts, and he's got a tie on. Little sprinkles of Krispy Kreme were dropping down. It's like, you know, I, I looked at myself in the mirror, and I said, I just don't, I feel a little too casual not having my shirt tail tucked in. So I went out, and I tucked my shirt tail back in. Now, let me ask you, how many thinks that this looks good? Raise your hand that you think this is a good look, okay? How many think that it looks better tucked in? Let me see your hands. Be honest. Okay, see, I can't even get you all to agree on what looks good and what doesn't. See what happens with conflict? I want to tell you, whether my shirt is tucked in or out makes no difference to the gospel whatsoever, you know? But you would be surprised that I can tell you that there was a time that if I had walked and preached behind the pulpit and I had jeans on and dare me pull my shirt tail out, there would be people in the church who would be upset about it. It's crazy how people get so upset over things. Uh, maybe you've heard this story before. In the late 1800s, there were two deacons in a small Baptist church in Mayfield, Kentucky. These two deacons didn't get along, and they always opposed each other in any decision related to the church. On a particular Sunday, one deacon put a small wooden peg in the back wall so the minister could hang his hat on. That's a good gesture, help the minister out. And when the other deacon discovered the peg, he was outraged that he had not been consulted. People in the church took sides, and eventually there was a split. And to this day, you can find a church in Mayfield, Kentucky, there's an Eddie Peg Baptist Church. How would you like to be, have that reputation? Do you know who hurts? I believe who hurts the most when there's a church split? It's the cause of Christ. When outsiders, unsaved people, see church people acting out their aggression toward each other, toward other believers, they can't help but be left thinking, if that's the way it is in that church, I don't want any part of it. That has happened over and over. When we as Christians who preach God's love and how the Holy Spirit can come into our lives and bring good qualities, bring great spiritual qualities and depth and maturity into the hearts and lives of people, but yet we can't get along with each other, that hurts the witness of Christ. And when the church is divided, it produces very tragic results. On the other hand, when the church is unified, it unleashes a power that can hardly be stopped. I have come to realize that the last place that people want to be to experience division is in the church. And you know what? In today's culture... If churches can learn to get along and do well, it may be the only institution that exists where there would be unity. 
because in every other, it seems like, institution that exists, there is total disunity. And what a difference we can make. Unity in the church is not just a good thing. Unity is essential. To sow seeds of disunity is to go against the work of God. And all of us who are in the church, who are part of this church, need to understand that. Now you say, well, are you preaching because we got some disunity in the church? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that at all. Are you saying that we should never have discussions over doctrine or other issues within the church? I'm not saying that at all. But as we have discussions, and as we discuss doctrine, as we, but after all, remember, doctrine has very little to do with people who are not unit, in unity. Uh, as, but as we have discussions about other things, it's important that we understand that in those discussions, each and every one of us is accountable to God for how we handle it, our motivations behind it, and what we say. It's when we follow God's desire and instruction for unity that we can together accomplish His, His purpose. Last week I told you one of the things that I love about our church is that we are a multi-generational church. Another thing that I love about Sunset Hills, and it seems to be very unique to us from many, many other churches, is our ability to get along with each other. I love that. Our church has historically don't, uh, been a church that has gotten along well with each other in the church. At Sunset Hills, we have been very blessed to experience unity. It's not that we haven't faced difficulties or that we have not had to make some hard decisions, but in the process, God has blessed us with the motivation and the ability to get through those hard times, to get, make those hard decisions and choices unified and in peace. And we ought to all be grateful for that. This is a compliment, not really to who we are. It's a, God, a compliment to who God is and what He's done for us. This evening at 6 p.m. Now, this is not because I'm anticipating something with what we're presenting this, this evening, but at 6 p.m., we're going to have a special called business meeting. The purpose for that is that we will vote on adopting uh, an updated and revised constitution and bylaws. Now, this is all I'm going to say about that. Just next, this next little bit. In that document, if you've already read through it, you found a place that really explains why Sunset Hills exist. The purpose of our existence is clear in that document. First and foremost is to worship God who is worthy of all praise and glory. I think we sang a song about that this morning, did we not? Who is worthy of all of our praise and glory? Is it me? Absolutely not. Is it shirt and tie farmer this morning? No. 
Is it the worship team who did an absolutely wonderful job? Are they worthy of praise and glory? Absolutely not. Is it any other person? No. It is God himself who is worthy of all of our praise and all of our glory. Only him. The second reason that we exist is to serve God locally, nationally, and internationally by fulfilling the great commission of Jesus Christ as set forth in the great commission of Matthew 28. To get other people who are outside of God's love. They're not outside his love. They just haven't discovered it yet. Or they need to get back in touch with it. The third reason we exist is to minister to the needs of members and others as the church is able to do so. So when we find people who are in need as best we can, we need to minister them. The fourth reason is to do any and all things related to and in connection with the carrying out of the purposes of a New Testament church. Now that covers a whole gamut of different things that are specific basically to what we're able to do and the gifts and the talents that God has given us. That's the reason that we exist, in order to effectively carry out the purpose that I've just mentioned, we have to be in unity. As we move forward, we as a church have an important role in embracing and protecting the unity that God has blessed us with. The Apostle Paul gives some instructions on how we to live in unity. And this is not just good for the church. It's good for relationships. It's good for marriages. It's good for families. It's good for business relationships. This is how we're to, to uh, respond to each other. Here's Paul speaking directly to Christians. He's writing, no back doubt, to to church people for their benefit, but there's a much greater benefit if the church is, does what is teaching in Ephesians, as we're going to read in just a moment. It's, he's talking about keeping unity as a purpose. So in the book of Ephesians, more than any other Paul's letters, he calls the church to be unified. And he mentions unity of the church 18 different times in Ephesians. So if you read the entire book, you'll begin to think that Paul is repeating himself. Guess what? You'd be right because of he's stressing the importance of the church being unified. Here's what he says in chapter 4, verses, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Do you see the theme of unity there? In this, he's, he's calling for unity, for us to be in one accord. Now, I was thinking about that. Just to, I'm not a smart person at times. I, I'll tell you, there are times when I've looked at something for a long time, and, man, all of a sudden, I'm like, well, I never saw it that way before. And, and that happened yesterday as I was preparing for this uh, sermon. I, 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 I was thinking about the word community. And all of a sudden, it realized, I realized that 
You can't have community without the word unity in it. Now, is anybody else that slow, or have you already figured that out? You know, all these years, I've never figured it out. In order to have community, I mean, you don't say it. Uh, let's see if I can figure it out. Uh, well, I can't. I'm not smart enough to do it right now. But in order to have community, I have to have the word unity in it. Does that not make sense? If we want to have community of church, fellowship of the believers, and that's a big word these days, people who are living in community, you must have unity. This is what Paul is saying. While the world looks on, if the church can be of one accord, another way of saying unity, then will make a greater difference. Here's what. Let's just break this down for a minute. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you received. You know who he's talking to? He's talking to us. He said, think about who you are, where you were, and where, you're, where you are now, what you were called from, and what you were called to. And he's saying, when you realize that, you need to live a life worthy of our calling in Christ. Because he's the one who gives us this calling. Then he goes on to say, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now let's just break that down a minute. It says uh, we're not just to be humble, we're to be completely humble. He has that, he has that word in front of it. I think that might be an adjective. He has that completely humble. It means to have lowliness of mind. In other words, we don't think too highly of ourselves. We don't go out and do things because we think we've got the best way to, to have it accomplished. Humility doesn't mean that you're thinking uh, yourself lower than you actually are. It means that you're viewing yourself accurately in the light of your sinfulness and God's holiness. Humility helps us to see that our lives are a gift from God. Here's the second thing that that says. Not just be completely humble, but Paul urges us to be gentle. Gentleness was considered to be a vice in Rome. Even in our culture, we think of someone as meek or gentle. We often picture them as just... Uh, just a, a simpleton, a, a doormat, so to speak. Gentleness has great, ha, is having great consideration of others. It is shown by waiving our rights for the sake of others. So we're to be humble, we're to be gentle. You can also translate it as a word I used earlier, as Jesus translated as meek. He, he said this, remember, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Now, if Jesus said that's a great characteristic to have, then we better have it. Meekness is strength under control, as it's been described. One commentator writes, Meekness is the quality of a strong personality who is nevertheless master of himself and servant of others. And then we're instructed to be patient. Biblical patience allows for the shortcomings of others. Oh, can I say that again? Husbands, 
Biblical patience allows for the shortcomings of your wives. Well, maybe the shoe fits better on the other way. Wives, biblical patience allows for the shortcomings of your husband, of your children, of your friends, of people within the church. It's to be long-suffering with people who aggravate us. I know sometimes it's difficult. I know that there are people who irritate us, and they'll disappoint us. They'll do things that hurt us. But we're to be patient with them. Be humble, be gentle, be patient. And then this, bear with one another in love. Loving endurance is closely related. It means literally to suffer with one another. Uh, there's a story that's told of a little boy sitting on the front porch with his face cradled in his hands, looking upset, and his dad had just come home from work. And he asked the little boy, what, what's going on with you? And the little boy looked up and said, well, just between us, Dad, I'm having trouble getting along with your wife. Okay, his mother, your wife, you with me? Man, you're a tough crowd right now. <laughs> At times, life is tough. Relationships aren't easy. But we're to bear with one another in love. We're reminded of this again in Colossians 3:14. And over all these virtues, put on love, binds, which binds them all together, watch this, in perfect, say it, unity. Love is the bind for perfect unity. It's the bedrock. It's the foundation, really. The foundation of what we do as Christ followers. Right? And that's why we have a slogan within our church. We've had it for several years called Loving People Because of a Loving God. The only reason we can show love to people is because we have been shown love to by God. People try to change it around well I'll love people first and then I'll love God you cannot love people first and then love God love God comes first that's what the great commandment says love God with what all of your heart and soul and mind your whole being love God first that's our foundation and I want to tell you when you really love someone it was the old saying, love covers a multitude of sins. Yeah. Is that not true? Is it not true? Yeah. I'm beginning to wonder. Maybe I need to go home with some of y'all today and see how you act on the way home in the car together. I don't know. Who said the amen over here? I think <laughs> you're my first candidate. Yeah, I forgot where I was going now. According to John Cook in my Sunday school class this morning, when, I, when the preacher forgets where he's going, he gets to start all over again. So let me go back to page one. <laughs> loving people because of a loving God. Verse 3 of Colossians says, Make every effort, or in 
Ephesians, where I was reading, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Be diligent and committed to keeping the unity of the Holy Spirit. Make every effort. That's a strong command. We're to make effort. We're to keep it at the forefront. So really how that translates, it's the job of every member, every one of us, to protect the spirit of unity that we enjoy. I want you to notice that our responsibility is not to create the unity, but to keep the unity. And there's a big difference there. Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Where does that bond of peace come from? It comes from God, that He, through Jesus Christ, settled everything and made us at peace with Him. And it's through that bond that we're to look and see the lens of how we're to keep the unity. So what's the basis of you? How, how do we do this? So Paul spells this out next. He says in verses six through, or four through six that there are seven essential ingredients of Christian unity. First one is this, one body. One body, that's us. It's important that, that the church understand that we're not a monolithic organization. It never has and it never will be. The church is, 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 is not uh, an organ, one organization, but it is one body. Our human bodies are composed of thousands of cells, but there's only one life. A body is produced through one original cell that begins growing until it becomes the creation we all call the human body. Yet every cell shares the original life. In a similar way, the body of Christ has infinite number of expressions. Like all of these different pieces of Legos, they all look different. They're individually uh, quite often different. There may be some different uh, same styles, but they have different purposes and uses. When you put them together, they become one unified project that works. So we are together as a church. We may look different. We may have different talents and skills, but we're to come together and utilize that for one purpose, and that's to grow the kingdom and show the love of God. Here's the second one that we're supposed to do, the second ingredient. It's one spirit. One spirit. The same Holy Spirit dwells in every believer. So we're connected by the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit that is the one that produces the unity for the Christian church. We don't create it. What it is is a gift from God. So the unity that our church enjoys, it's not something that we generate. It's the gift that God gives to us. Our job is to preserve that unity that God gives us out of His grace. Then there's one hope. There's only, oh man, this one thing right here will preach. There is only one hope for the world today, and that's found in Jesus Christ. I could probably walk in here one Sunday morning, and some of you would love it if I did, if I just walked up here on the stage, and I just said exactly what I just said and walked out. That would be a whole message in and of itself, right? There is only one hope for the world today, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. None other. 
Acts 4.12 says that. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus is our hope, and we have no other hope except Him. So there's one hope, and now there's one Lord. We serve only one Lord, and that's Jesus Christ. In our documents, and you will see that if you're here tonight, you will see that, that Jesus Christ is the head. That's who we worship. We serve Him. Jesus is the one and only supreme owner of the universe. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 pretty much sums it up. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every other name, that in the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Lord God the Father. Amen. So then there's one faith. It's a common faith that we have and exist as a church. It rests squarely on the faith that is found in Jesus Christ. This is the truth that was given to the church. There will never be another entity, another organization that could ever fulfill carrying out the gospel except the church. Only was this given to us. There's no middle ground when it comes to faith. Either your faith is in Christ Jesus or it's not. There's no kindas, there's no sortas. Jesus said, if you're not for me, then you're against me. Then there's one baptism. The sixth thing that unifies Christ's followers is baptism. Paul is referring to the ordinance of baptism. This is where the believer is baptized into the body of Christ after accepting Christ. This is a signal to the whole world that you are part of the family of God. And then finally, there's this, one God and one Father. Amen. Once we accept Christ in our lives, we become part of His forever family. That's why God says, shall I have no other gods before me. One God, one family and it's a family like no other a few years ago at the Special Olympics in Seattle, Washington maybe you're familiar with this story nine physically or mentally challenged runners lined up at the starter line for the 100 meter run at the sound of the gun all the runners eagerly started out except for one boy who stumbled. He tumbled over a few times and began to cry. And the other eight runners heard the boy cry and slowly turned around and paused. Then they all turned back to every one of them. One girl with Down syndrome bent over and kissed the boy and said, that will make it better. And then all nine of them linked arms and walked together to the finish line. Everyone in the stadium stood, and the cheering went on for a solid ten minutes. That race paints a picture of what God's family is life, 
We all are wounded. We're all challenged in one way or another. But God, in his infinite mercy and grace, makes us part of his forever family that's found in the faith of Jesus Christ. And it's with this spiritual family that we have, this community, that we journey through life together, helping each other along the way. We're to be called to unity. I go back to the prayer that Jesus did when he was praying. This is right before the most difficult time of his life, before going to the cross. Soon he would be arrested after he says these words. My prayer for all of them is that they will be one. Watch this. Just as you and I are one, Father, that just as you are in me and I am in you, so they will be in us, and the world will believe you sent me. Isn't that not powerful? Be one. You want us to look to the example? It's how Jesus and God were one. What's the purpose of that? Why should we be as one as Jesus prayed for us to do? That the world will believe that you sent me. This is a pretty incredible tub of Legos that Stone and Finn and Eli like to play with. And I'm sure that uh, Oliver will when he gets big enough. Stone and Finn know that in our attic is another tub of Legos twice the size of this one. And they have discovered that even though they've never seen it, they've never played with it. They just play with these. And these actually were a gift from a neighbor down the street who said, anybody wants these Legos, they're sitting on the front porch. And my wife, being who she is, was down there in like a lickety split to get them. <laughs> but the whole time she's been holding out on the bigger tub that's in the attic. So now when the boys come over, especially Stone would say, Grandma, can we, can we play with the Legos that are in the attic? There's a bunch of them up there. Now there's a bunch in here. What was it that the guy said? The more Legos you have, the more you can build. The more bricks you have, the more you can build. Are we satisfied with this right here? So to speak. Are we just satisfied with this amount? When God has so much more in store? I suspect that 
before long because I preached this sermon I'm going to show it to Stone at the end that grandma's going to be making a trip or grandpa's going to be making a trip up to the attic to get all the other Legos that are up there they should want to play with more blocks right I can just picture in my mind when I'm toting that thing down the steps and they see actually it's like three times as many and I set that down and they peel that top off I am sure because I know those boys their eyes are going to get so big and their face is going to light up and they're wow why you been holding out so long grandma do you know what that's the way the church ought to see what's on the outside God how many more blessings do you have for Sunset Hills would you pray with me please tubs full of Legos out there people with potential of building blocks to be a building block for your kingdom. When it's all fitted together with other believers and people, becomes an incredible force. Father, I just pray that somehow you'll, you'll give us this vision as a church to not be satisfied just with a little bit but that we desire that that we work that we that we discover there's so much more there for us to realize that just like all of these little pieces of legos that are uniquely different in shapes and but yet they all have a function to come together and create something that, that is much bigger than the little block in itself. And we'd see our role in being unified, in harmony, so that others would see that you are God and experience your love. you're here today and you've never experienced Christ firsthand know God loves you know that he paid an incredible price to demonstrate his love for you it doesn't matter who you are, what you've been, what you are, except the fact that you say, I am a sinner and I need to be saved. And I know there's no other way to do it except through Jesus Christ. He becomes my Savior. He becomes my Lord. And ask Him to forgive you your sins and come into your life not only to save you, but to give you a hope and a future. And Father, I pray that 
we as members of this congregation, members of this community, would see how important our role is to be a part of this community, to do our, our part in building your kingdom. And we'll work together, we'll fit together so snugly that we're just like the studs and the tunnels of those Lego blocks that we're working and, and, and we come together to do something far greater than we can do by ourselves. Help us to see a greater vision. Maybe you're here this morning and you just need to do some business in this altar with God. In just a moment, the worship team is going to sing and I'm going to ask you to stand and, and if you just have something you want to pray about, if you want me to pray with you, if you want to know more about this Jesus I'm talking about, if you want to know more about our church, be a part of this church, a member, I encourage you to come here this morning. Help us to do and be obedient, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand. All to Jesus I surrender all to Him I freely give I place of unity we have to be in that place of surrender and we surrender our will we surrender our thoughts we surrender our lives to you and in that you bless us with so much more and the ability to work with other people to accomplish a great love for others that will show your love for them I pray as we leave this place shortly, Father, that will be our goal this week, our motivation, and next, in the weeks to come. Bless us in what we do this evening, Father. 
and help us be in unity as we carry out the work and the business of the church. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, you may be seated, please. Amen. As Pastor Mike makes his way up, hey, I do want to remind you that coming up uh, this Friday, our Friday friends um, are going to be meeting at 11 o'clock. So ladies, um, if you are uh, uh, have that time slot open and you would love some great company and just some good fellowship, and they have such great things that they do and, and the way that they encourage and just... Uh, all of our community, actually. So uh, even if you do have something to do, um, call, cancel that, uh, be here at 11 o'clock, Friday, friends, uh, on Friday. Pastor Mike. Thank you, Pastor Kelly. This Wednesday, our kids are going to be celebrating uh, uh, the end of the school year. We've been keeping uh, stickers in there on the wall of attendance and bringing Bibles. And uh, so we're excited about this Wednesday night. We're going to be at Pixel Planet Arcade. Our church has rented out the uh, facility from six to nine. Uh, kids, we're inviting kids and their parents, and we're asking them to bring a friend as well. Um, so that we can uh, love on them and let them know that they're invited to our church family as well. That's this Wednesday night uh, from 6 to 9 p.m. We'll have dinner. Um, parents, please come on out. Grandparents, if you want to come on out as well, uh, that's this Wednesday night. Pastor Steve, you got some visitors. You got some. Yeah, got... guys, come up here. Just wait a minute yeah. for me. Do y'all see, see those Legos? Yeah. Do they look familiar? No. Look at the paint. Are you sure? Look at the box. They look familiar? Yeah, came from my house, right? It's your job to clean them up. Why'd I have to? Because Grandpa said do it. <laughs> have a good afternoon. It's 6 o'clock tonight, business meeting. The ordination council will meet at 5. I encourage you to be here for the all men who are ordained, it does not matter, deacon, if you're ordained as a pastor, we'd love for you to be a part of the ordination council this afternoon at five, and then we invite you back for the business, special call business meeting for the Constitution bylaws. Have a good afternoon. Hi, good morning, this is Kelly. I wanna take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m., or blended worship at 10 a.m. And let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.